and welcome back to another episode of Take a Killer to Brunch. I am one of your co-hosts, Darcy, and I am the other co-host, Shannon. Uh, fun story, when I was editing one of our episodes over the weekend, <laughs> I was like, you know, like with my own head and I called myself Shannon. I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, when did that happen? It was, I was like mimicking it back as I was listening to the recording. You know, like, it's like, when you know, like a theme song or something and you just like, you know, like Shanko, like, you know, all the words. Oh, oh, yeah. And so I started like reciting all the words and I was like, Shannon, I was like, it's not, it's not my name, but <laughs> you know, it's fine. I'm just in your brain. All the time. I just want to be you. <laughs> Please no. My beautiful silver packs. Anyway, um, so if you're new here, welcome. We are a true crime and all things spooky podcast. And if you are returning, we are so happy to have you. Uh, let us know where you're from, if you want to shout out down below in the comments or, you know, like DM us, email us, it doesn't really matter. Um, we'll get it one way or another. So with all of that said, um, I also, this is like the last minute, but we keep talking about our one year coming up, right? Mm -hmm. And I just want to pose it out there. If there's anything you guys would like to see us talk about or cover or any ideas for the one year, um, let us know. I'll probably put some polls up between now and then throughout Instagram, um, put it in like a highlight reel so you can just go in and constantly see it. Um, but we would love to know, like, what do you want to see in the one year celebration of Take a Killer to Brunch? Um, we're still, we're still in the planning phase. So it'd be just be fun to have your ideas and your thoughts. So I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, definitely. Cause we always like suggestions, which leads me to this week's episode. It was a suggestion. <laughs> Very great one too. Um, so we'll just go ahead and jump right in, right? By all means, let's jump. And then at the end, we need to talk about some of your stories of the week for sure. Oh my God. Yes. It's been, it's been a rough week and a half. That's one way to get people to like listen all the way through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you stay till the end. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll also find out why I did this episode. So stick to the end. Anyways, I want to start off because I remembered Darcy to put in my little asterisk, my trigger warning. I'm so happy you remembered. Trigger warning, you guys. Definitely this week it is involving a very tragic death of a child. Very. So if you are sensitive to that, just keep that in mind if you want to skip this episode. Because, um, yes, it is very sad. So I am going to be covering this week the tragic murder of Christopher Conan Milkey. Christopher Conan Milkey. Mm -hmm. Is he in any way related to the guy, the movie Milk? I can't remember his. I can't remember his first name. I don't think so. The gay, like the gay rights politician or activist or whatever. Not that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't specify. Um, but this is a story. It's going to take place in Arizona, which I mean, people have pretty much figured out by now. That's where we live. Yay. <laughs> um we are burning up here yes we are still alive um we don't go out very often yeah it's a lifestyle <laughs> during the summer unless you're going to water you know yeah you don't you don't venture out into the sahara no no <laughs> today today's weather is a nice blow dryer to the face mm -hmm. on high heat and we had a little bit of an overcast which was nice in the morning and not so much now yeah not so much now oh wow no. all right Anyways, like I said, it was suggested to me by one of my, I like to say like my new favorite people of the year, you know, because I've met quite a few new people this year and one of my new favorite peoples. Um, anyway, so we're going to jump right into it. So this is going to, we're going to start out by first talking to the murder that talking, sorry, 
We're going to talk to the murderer. We're going to... Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, and we might... And Is yeah. that the end, too? <laughs> to wait till the end? Could be. You never know. We're going to actually get to take this guy to brunch, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the murder in the actual occurrence first. Oh, my God. It's looking at my eye. It's probably Penny's hair. Oh, no. Which one of your hairs? Oh, thank you. I got it. Wow, I'm surprised you saw that. Yeah. Um, okay, so on December 2nd, 1989, a missing child report was made in Phoenix, Arizona regarding a four-year-old Christopher Conan Milkey. On that day, James Lynn Styers would take Christopher to a place called Metro Center Mall. Oh, formerly known as Metro Center Mall. It is now demolished. It is now down to the ground, but it was a quintessential 90s kid, 80s kid place. Let me tell you guys. has a skate park in there. Oh, God. It got real ghetto. Yeah, it went downhill, you guys. The whole area kind of really went downhill. But everybody or anybody who's been in Arizona or lived in Arizona knows Metro Center Mall, Metro Center Mall especially if you're around our age of 30-ish. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, so Christopher went with James Lynn Styers to accompany him on some errands and to take a picture. His favorite thing, he wanted to go take a picture with Santa Claus. Oh, so awesome. So James was like, okay, sure, come along with me. Um, while his mother, Deborah Milky, stayed home to get some of her daily tasks done. And you said he was six? Four. 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 Um, James Lynn Styers, who we'll actually now call Jim because he went by Jim, okay. um, was not Christopher's father, just so you guys know. Um, he was actually just a friend of Deborah's sister, um, who Deborah ended up becoming basically roommates with. Um, they were not in like a romantic relationship at all. That was just somebody who she had been living with at the time. And they were roommates. Yeah. Um, which he also had a two-year-old daughter. So it wasn't like weird or anything like that. It was more or less, she needed a place to live. He also had a kid. So she's like, well, you know, so we'll split the cost of rent and, you know, we both have kids. So you seem like each other company. Right. Yeah. Um. So according to Jim, while he was at the mall, he had to use the bathroom. Um. Of course, he took Christopher with him to the bathroom, but he didn't go, he didn't have Christopher go into the stall with him. So I'm like, oh. probably taking a shit. Cool. Um, and he instructed him to basically wait outside the stall, like right outside the stall in the bathroom though. So he was in the actual room too, as well. Um, so I don't know how long Jim was in this bathroom, but apparently when he is done and leaves the stall, he notices that Chris is now gone. What? Yep. So immediately he goes over to the mall security and is like, look, I have a missing kid. Like, can we find him? Like, so of course they begin the search there. Um, while this is all taking place, he does also call Deborah and let her know, hey, as of right now, Chris, I can't find Christopher. He's disappeared. Naturally, as any other mother would do, she freaks out, calls 911. Mm-hmm. Um, so this basically kickstarts this huge missing child search mm-hmm. for Christopher. Um, and I believe I didn't get a chance. I totally forgot to look up when Amber Alert actually came out. But I think this was like pre-Amber Alert. Mm-hmm. That whole system. But either way. It was still like Wiley, oh my gosh, like this four-year-old missing. You know, right. It's a big deal. Um, so it, it's on all the local news channels. They were searching for Christopher. Um, the following day, unfortunately, Christopher is still nowhere to be found. Um, but they by the end of the day, the police had arrested a man by the name of Roger Scott. Um, now, according to Deborah Milkey, she didn't really know Roger Scott that well, but she had met him before. Oh, okay. So he had been a friend of Jim's. Hmm. Yes. 
So apparently had gone over to the apartment uh, maybe a handful of times or less even. Um, and Deborah didn't really like him that well. He, so she, yeah, bad vibes. She quote unquote said that he was just kind of sloppy, like almost like, you know, like she had, she quote unquote said like, oh, Jim looked like he picked him up off the street kind of thing. Yeah. And so just wasn't, yeah, like a dirty and then kind of like he's probably, she said always intoxicated too, like. So he probably had like his TV on the floor and like a recliner chair. Yeah. And that's it. Like a apartment. Like a fold out like beach lawn chair, you yeah, know? Exactly. Yeah. It's not even like a lazy boy. No, <laughs> no. And like one of the arms is like missing or loose, you know? Yeah, he's got like a box of Natty Light, just like the <laughs> <laughs> chair. A couple 40s so. in there. Yeah. Um, so she just didn't like him that well. And I mean, either way, he had always made, made comments that he didn't like going over to Jim's apartment anymore because... He didn't like the sound of all the annoying kids screaming and crying or playing even. Oh, so he just doesn't like children. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. You don't have to like kids. So he just, he didn't really go around much. So she didn't really know him that well. Now, apparently on the day of the disappearance, um, police were able to, I don't know if had Jim had mentioned this or what, that, I, and it was a little bit vague. So I, I read two different things. It's either um, Roger had gone out with him on the errands at some point and then like they split off. Or the, another one had said that Jim had actually run into him at the mall. Mm, okay, but either way, plausible. Yeah, either way, at some point at the on the day of the disappearance, they figured out that Roger was with him. Okay, and Christopher. Okay. Um. So they naturally pick up Roger, and I don't know if it's because of prior convictions or anything like that. If he had any, they decided that they were going to go ahead and question him. Mm. Um. So they did a fourteen-hour-long interrogation with Roger. Right. Yes. Now Roger would eventually confess to police that Christopher was dead. Whoa. Unprompted? I mean, it was a 14 hour long in- interrogation. So well, I feel like this is going to go south. Yeah. Mm hmm. I feel like this is about to go south and not in a good way. Now, according to Roger, he and Jim had taken Christopher out to the desert. So they didn't actually go to the mall with Christopher, as far as we know. Um, so in like North Phoenix area, which I had to laugh a little bit, I will do the cross streets. A lot of people I know that are listening to this right now are not going to know unless you're in Arizona where this is at. <laughs> They're off 99th and Joe Max, which Ugh. back then was out in the desert. Whoa. Okay. But nowadays it's literally houses. So it's kind of ironic. Oh, Joe Max. Yep. We lived off Joe Max. Oh, I did. Yeah. I parted there. Yeah. It's fine. Oh Yeah. Um, so they took him out to North Phoenix, basically. And I, and I can picture this in my head too. Like he's a four-year-old kid. So they're probably trying to like hype him up and they're like, let's go out to the desert. And they said, quote unquote, to look for snake holes. Mm-hmm. So as a little four-year-old kid, he's probably like, oh, hell yeah. Like, like let's go. Oh my gosh. Adventure. adventure. Yep. So now they had taken him out there and apparently he had run forward. He's like, I'm going to go find the holes, you know, and like, just excited, like a little kid. Um, and as he's running in front of them, um, Jim decides to pull out a gun and he shot him four times in the back of the head. Okay. But like, why would he do that though? Like, oh yeah. Like why would, I mean, as uh, up to this point, there's no reason for me to believe that he would just do that unprompted. Right. We'll get there. I mean, did he need his friend for backup? Is that four-year-old yoked? Like (laughs) he's like Stewie's like take out his shins. You know what I mean? I don't know. Um, I well, we'll get to some bits and pieces that I was able to discover. Howardess. Yeah. Back of the head of four-year-old. Yeah. Four times. Yeah. 
Sorry, we're recording. No, have to edit this out. Speak of. I'm like, oh, I know. Those traumatize me. Uh, they get to me. They get to my head. So you're such a good influence on the youngins. And don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do drugs, kids. Uh, and the last bit of like really sad piece that I'll add to the actual murder itself, you guys, is that unfortunately when cops did find him because Roger basically led them to the body, um, they discovered that he was just left out in the middle of the desert, not buried, nothing, just left there in the fetal position with his chewing gum still in his mouth. But he was shot four times in the back of the head. The only slight, slight silver lining to this is that because he was shot in the back of the head, they said he basically died instantly. But still, a four-year-old child. Very sad. Um, now, like Darcy had already tried to divulge from me, is the motive. So what is possibly the motive to kill a four-year-old child? Did he say something? When children insult you, it's honest and it's mean. Did yeah. he get his feelings hurt? I don't know. I don't know. Not that we're aware, but maybe. Uh, maybe that's why he hated kids. I don't know. But, and it wasn't even Roger that did the shooting. It was actually Jim, which he has a two-year-old daughter, so it really is kind of rough. Why? I mean, I'm, this is going to be real fucking dark, but, like, why was he feel like he was in competition for his daughter's love? I don't, I don't know. No, it's not that. His friend. I if you're going to kill a fucking kid, like... As far as I know, from what I gathered, is that they were almost trying to make it to where, like, that was his, like, what do you call it? His alibi? Yeah. Well, your friend's shitty with an alibi. Yeah. Only did 14 hours? Shit. Yeah. Um... Now, during that 14-hour-long um, interrogation that Roger was in, he basically stated, ultimately, the only reason why they killed this four-year-old was because of money. What money? Was he on the life insurance policy? No. So this is where it gets a little dicey, you guys. <sighs> this is where it gets a little... <laughs> this whole thing is infuriating. Yes. Now, let me just mind, let me just tell you this now. So there was a life insurance policy on Christopher... For $5,000. A whopping $5,000? And Roger was willing to accompany and partake in all of this because he was guaranteed $250 of the $5,000. $250 to yes. kill a kid? I said, I know, I know. In all bold here. <laughs> like, if you want to be, if, like, listen, dude, if I'm going to be an accomplice to murder of a four-year-old, I want 100 bucks per year. Like, he didn't even haggle for a better price. Nope, $250, which he ended up, of course, not getting, you know. Just that. And out of, a, out of a grand total of $5,000. That doesn't even cover the funeral. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like this is super old of a case. That was 1989, so it's like, it's not even like, oh, that money back then was this much now. Like, no. No. No, no I mean, what, 5089 probably, like, maybe close to ten grand, probably eight grand today. Mm-hmm. Like the cheapest funeral in today's money is like ten thousand dollars. Oh yeah. Like you need to have life insurance on yourself just so that your loved ones don't have to pay for your funeral. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a, a minimum, like if you're gonna do like a normal funeral, it's a minimum of twenty thousand dollars. I used to be a life insurance person, so I know this. At least in Arizona, it's like minimum twenty K. 
Yeah. But, you know, if you're going to be like me and just put me in a tree pod, then it's going to be spare me in the dirt. Yep. Actually, take all my organs, bury what's left, but give the bones to science. I really want to be like a skeleton. Just oh. Just like hangs in the room. Have you ever been to one of those? It's like a skeleton? No. Like, they they have like these, like, um, they go to like the science centers and stuff uh-huh. like that where they have like the exhibits. There we go. That's the, that's the word I was looking for, where it's like the human body exhibits. No. I've been, I've been to like the science museum, but I yeah. do, I haven't been to one of those yet. So I went, I mean, this was years ago when I think I was in maybe high school or college, one of the things. Um, and I got to see them where they like pose them. And then like, you have like ones that are just all muscle and you can see all the nerves. So cool. Like so detailed, like their legit human body is like, it was crazy to think that you know, I'm looking at these were once people. Uh-huh. And they're like dissected to the point like you can see like different organs. You can see, like I said, the, the muscles or the tendons. And yeah, it's crazy. My favorite memory was um, I did AP bio in high school and I got to go on a cadaver mm-hmm. field trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was so much fun uh, to see dead people. Yeah. And it's like, this is what someone who had alcoholism, like this is literally, this is them and here's their liver. Mm-hmm. Do you see how fucked up their liver is? And yeah. like, they're like, wear clothes that you're okay with throwing out if you need to, because it smells like formaldehyde. And like, yeah. just watching my classmates fall off. Yeah. Cause they were like puking, couldn't stand it. And I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I was very lucky back in nursing school that the university that I went to was one of the few that did have a legitimate cadaver lab. So, so I got to have my anatomy and physiology class with the actual cadavers. Like we weren't dissecting or doing any of that. Cause I was more of like the med school type people mm-hmm. doing all that. We weren't dissecting, but like we would use the actual cadaver bodies that they had been working on to, you know, pick out the bones or la- label the bones or the tendons and all those things. So mm-hmm. it's really cool. We did, I did biopsych in college it was like the first year of this program mm-hmm. um, and biopsych, like, I, I think it's more common now, but it's like biology mixed with psychology. And it's like, you're learning the psychology of the brain versus like, it's like medically, how does the brain turn out? Like, have you been to that website where like the different rats, the cartoon rats on like cocaine and heroin? Have you ever done that? I think so. Yeah. I, it, I think it will do in high school now too, but it's like, we researched that. And I, ha- I still have this photo from like 2018 of me holding a human brain. It's so I'm just holding a brain. Oh, yeah, man. If you're into that kind of thing, or you want to know if you're into that kind of thing, definitely if you have those opportunities in your schools or your universities, definitely do them. Because if nothing else, it'll stick with you. And you can, you have some cool, um, two truths and a lie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can use at parties or, you know, Zoom calls. Well, you've definitely done that before then, Darcy. I totally have. And I've definitely, there's definitely somewhere on my work server, a picture of me holding a human brain. Oh, nice. <laughs> like proof. Sign. Slap it. Um. So now back to the, the, sadness. the, the sadness. sadness. Yes. So like, like we were saying, like, you know, that there's a life insurance policy out on Christopher for $5,000. Well, naturally, who's the beneficiary of the $5,000? It's not there. Yes. So... Naturally, who are police now going to be questioned? Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. No. Mm hmm. So double if he's murdered. Is it one of those life insurance policies? I don't think so. It okay. didn't. They didn't say that at all. It literally just said $5,000. So, okay. um, so of course, um, like I said, Deborah then gets brought in for questioning, which she has 
generally speaking, no idea like what's going on. Um, so the police detective Armando Sal is either Salde or Saldati. Maybe it's Saldati. How do you spell it? S A L D A T E. Saldate. Saldate, maybe. Yeah. Armando Saldate. Tell us if we're wrong. Mm -hmm. We're really white. Yeah. <laughs> Pasty. Um, takes it upon himself basically to conduct Deborah's interrogation slash interview. Um, so once again, this is another hours long interrogation. Um, and then once it concludes, Deborah is officially placed under arrest for the murder of her son, Christopher. Shit. Did she confess to having her kid murdered? So oh my God, fuck all these people. Detective Saldati states that during the interrogation, Deborah confesses that she just didn't want Christopher to turn out like his father and that she told the men to just get it done in quotes. Deborah would go on to say that she felt as though Christopher was interfering too much with her life, meaning that he was interfering with her goals in her career and her social life, basically. She was only 26 at the time. Um, so the startling fact about this whole interrogation is that it was not recorded at all. So for all they know, it's just they made that up. So nor were there any other individuals, presidents, present not presidents present president God. or the president he was not involved uh or individuals present besides detective saldade and deborah so they were the only two in the room something tells me deborah's gonna deny everything now the trio would eventually all be put on trial for the murder of christopher naturally naturally now, since this involves a young child, the media coverage at the time was insane. I actually talked to my mom today on the phone. And I asked her, like, does this name sound familiar, Deborah Milky? And she's like, oh, yeah. She's like, you know, because she was basically pregnant with my sister at the time. Um, so it was a huge, huge thing all over the media. Um, so she remembers it. And at the end of all the trials for each individual, um, they were all found guilty. And each one was sentenced to the death penalty. Good. Good. They killed a four-year-old for no fucking reason. I'm yeah. actually kind of surprised. Okay, listen, I'm actually kind of surprised for like 1989 that she got convicted of murder, especially because there's no evidence of her confession. Mm hmm. Okay. Like, who's her defense? Like, mm -hmm. fuck, man. Yeah. So not only was this huge, of course, because of Christopher's age, but it was a huge deal because this made Deborah, I think, only the second out of you know, all these cases, only the second woman to be put on death row in the state of Arizona. And the last one wasn't since 1930s, basically. Shit. So she was there. Oh, what's her name? Fucking, oh my God, Casey Anthony. Mm hmm. Um, was it? I know who you're talking about. I just can't. The girl who killed her daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I can't remember the whole thing. Yeah. Did you did you hear did you see that thing recently that she decided to be interviewed by like HBO or something? And she's telling her story. Oh fuck off. Yeah. So it's like she's now she's back in the limelight. Cause like the well, there she was the amount of evidence against her though, like shit. Fucking no. And it's like a few years ago there was a documentary about her whole thing. And mm -hmm. then she fell off. And now she's suddenly back and like being interviewed. And one of the I didn't I haven't watched it yet, but like one of the questions the interview was asked, like why are you suddenly wanting to tell your story now? Like, mm -hmm. why do you want to, why do you want to talk now? Right. And I'm like, I want to know because you're a fucking lawyer. But yeah, besides the point. Now, normally in my episodes, this is basically be like, be the conclusion is, you know, this is the trial. They got this and yada, yada, yada. 
Now, I'm going to do a little differently this week because it is, you know, somebody whom I know knows is close to this case. Um, so we're going to go into actually Deborah Milkey herself now. Oh, okay. Um, and we'll kind of go over our thoughts at the end and I'll make the conclusion then. So backtracking a little bit about Deborah Milkey herself, because really the way the, the, the picture was painted is that she was basically the mastermind. Uh -huh. She instructed them to do this. She was going to pay them to do this and all the things. So Deborah Milkey, she was actually, I think her, her maiden name is Sadiq, Sadiq, Sadiq. She's German born actually. So she was born March 10th, 1964 in Berlin, Germany to a military family. So as far as I know, I think it was her father that was American and her mother was German, fell in love probably in Germany while he was stationed there. Um, yes, here she is. Um, now, shortly after she was born, her she and her family, basically, they all moved to the U.S. So for basically her entire life, she was American. She, I think she only was actually in Germany for about a year. Mm -hmm. um, fast forward through, you know, her whole childhood and everything like that. In 1984, Deborah would marry a man named Mark Milkey. And a year later, they had Christopher. So that is his father. His father's name is Mark. Um, Deborah herself, she was driven and very passionate in her career. She worked in the in the insurance industry and had goals of eventually becoming an underwriter for like an insurance company. Mm -hmm. So she was very driven, very passionate about her work. Yeah, um, how to understand insurance policies and their fine line. Yeah. How to do it. It was very, she was kind of like you where it's like, you know, when you've worked with insurance before or any kind of like life insurance policies, you know, the ins and outs of them. So, mm -hmm. but for her, she, the way she put it, it's like, she was very important. Like some of her priorities was um, whatever career, whatever job she had, she always made sure she had really good health benefits, health insurance and life insurance. Mm -hmm. um, so and for her and Christopher, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so after Christopher was born, unfortunately, her husband, Mark, began to heavily start using drugs and alcohol really bad um not wanting christopher to basically be around that environment deborah actually made the decision to separate herself from mark okay and hopes that he would clean up his life she just didn't want christopher around that he was kind of getting violent and constantly basically really high um so for a short time she lived with mark's parents um with christopher and however this unfortunately proved to be very difficult she they ended up getting a divorce and per the paperwork she had primary custody of Christopher, but she allowed supervised visits with Mark. She understood that it's important for Christopher to still have a father figure and still have a father in his life, but she didn't fully trust him because he was always high. Sure. I get that. Yeah. Um, so Mark would continuously get himself in trouble with the law because of his drug use. Um, he would spend some time in jail and eventually he was out on probation. Um, and even though they were separated, Deborah actually really did try to help Mark as much as she could um, in various different ways by still allowing Christopher to be a part of his life and, you know, keeping in touch because she could have, she had all rights to basically say, F you, I'm taking your son and I'm gone. Mm -hmm. But she didn't. And then she even made a comment and told a story a little bit about that I had read that there was a point, one of the breaking points for her with Mark was that he had called her frantically one day, I guess, and was like, can you meet me at this address? He's like, they have me going in. He's probably his probation officer for a random drug test. He's like, I need your urine. And she's like, I see after that, I couldn't. She's like, she's like, here he is. Like he's given a second chance. He's out on probation and he couldn't stay clean. And now he's asking for my urine. Mm -hmm. 
And so, of course, what she does instead is she actually calls the probation officer and states what he was asking her to do. And then he is then court ordered to go into a rehab program. So she still like even while he was in rehab would go to like their family days that they had to where like families could come visit them and all those things like she ended up helping him get set up with a sponsor to stay clean like she really did try and um unfortunately there was a day where she's like okay like he wanted christopher to stay the night and he wanted to have him for the whole day she's like okay um she goes back to pick up christopher and she immediately notices that mark was insanely high and she he had like multiple random people over at his place that were also high and she's like absolutely not of course they get into this huge huge argument and reports say that you know he was getting physically violent tried to choke her all in front of christopher so she makes that decision to be like no more like this is it we're done like you you can't you can't be a father to him like you look what you're doing in front of him and all that so she realizes that it's no longer really a good idea to be living at his parents house like, mm-hmm. it's just you're you're asking for it then at that point like he knows where you live and all that stuff so this is when jim comes involved because this is when she's talking to her sister about it her sister's like oh you know there's jim my friend and you know they get to know each other and she's like okay i'm gonna go live with him he seems like a good guy he's got a kid you know it'll, it'll be a safer environment for me away from mark we all know how that ended up it sounds like she ended up like her husband but worse I mean, if we're gonna, if the tea is hot and we're gonna put the shoe on the foot. Mm. So now this is it. This is, this is towards the end here. I will say this now, like as much as people would assume because she is the beneficiary of the life insurance program that was, or not program, but policy that was set up on Christopher, she did not mm-hmm. ask or receive for any of the money. So she knew that not only because he was murdered, she wouldn't get him, but she never once, you know, tried to file for any kind of money on him. Um, she denied every claim that she was involved, like in the murder. Um, she did not admit to anything. And, um, basically throughout the whole trial, there was not one single shred of evidence, like concrete evidence that stated that she was involved in his murder. Not a single one. So Deborah Milkey would spend 22 years on death row. Eventually, she was granted a retrial in regards to her case. Okay. So this being it. So she was solely convicted on the basically the word of that one detective because there was no recording. Please don't lie. There was no signing of documents. There was, was no written confession. No. <laughs> nice. Which is absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. So there was no witness, there was no written confession, there was no recording, and they were able to convict and put on death row a woman. You know why? You know why they did that? Because, mm-hmm. one, because she was a woman, and because this case blew up. And mm-hmm. when cases like this blow up, what do people want? They want someone arrested immediately, and then what do we see nine times out of ten when the media and the, popul- and the public demand immediate justice? Wrong people go to jail. Yes. Because there's so much pressure from the public, from the media, from your boss, from your boss's boss, from that stupid dude who's trying to get reelected in the fall. Like, there's so much pressure from everyone that it's like, and I'm not justifying what they did, but this is the story and the narrative that we see every single fucking time an innocent person goes to jail is like, they just needed someone. 
Mm-hmm. Like the number one suspect actually didn't get arrested. It's like the story you told last time. Mm-hmm. About Sam, the and doctor. I, yeah, and it's funny because like I'm not actually like like this one was like suggested to me, so it's the fact that it's another case like this. But like it blows my mind. Like she literally could have gotten a lethal injection, and there was not a shred of evidence, not one, not oh there was a video recording with her and Christopher going out to the desert. Nothing. It was literally one man saying, "Oh, she confessed to it." Come to find out. Probably make his career. Come to find out. He did advance in his career and he was found to be involved in multiple different cases that were incorrect or false or fraudulent. So she luckily got a second chance. She is now out. Some people do believe that she still was involved. And if you sue, I would have sued. She didn't actually. As far as I know, so fucking hard. There was a, I should have read the article to see if she did get anything out of it, but I don't think she did. Um, she but yeah, I, I'll have to follow up on that one. Cause I, there was an article that I just didn't get a chance to read, but continue. Sorry. So he, he reaped the reward. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and yeah, so she's now out, but yeah, she spent 22 years of her life thinking that she's going to die via death row. Um, and like I said, maybe she did have involvement. We, we, the, the fact is, is that there's just no evidence to tie her, you know, whether or not she did or didn't, you know, no evidence. And going back, and that's kind of why I told you a little bit about Deborah, is that when I did more research about her, to me, all the things that she did and for Christopher in his life and for Mark even trying to figure things out for him, and it just didn't scream, oh, I want to kill my four-year-old son. Mm-hmm. Like, for five thousand dollars, she had a career. Like, why? Why would she need that money? Mm-hmm. I could see now Jim and Roger wanting that money, for sure. Uh, and how would they? And how would they get it? Like, there's my question. Like, threatening her, maybe. Hey, Deborah, I need some money. Need some money. Apparently, Roger, like one of the first times he ever met Deborah, even asked her for money, and she literally was like, "What do I look like a bank?" And I was like, "Oh, hell yeah." Oh. Uh. So yeah, I actually read that, that he had already been asking for money, but yeah. I mean, honestly, like if she didn't have any involvement and this was their plan, what I think would have happened, like if this was solely their plan and this was the two of them and they're like, we want that money, here's what would have actually happened, right? They kill a child and then as soon as she gets the money, they kill her. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that was the ultimate like end game. Yeah, they were gonna like threaten her blackmail her, mm-hmm. kill her, steal her bank cards, whatever, you know? Right. But it's like, I don't know. I mean, maybe they didn't bank on it, but like, were they not banking on her calling the police? Like, yeah, I mean, because that was something I said earlier. I was like, well, if she killed her kid. I was like, why would she call the police immediately right. after giving the phone call? And then I was like, oh, well, alibi, you know, like it would look weird if she didn't. Right. And she did have her kid killed. Mm-hmm. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so like I said, Deborah is out free now. She still lives in Arizona. Um, she currently works for a law firm part-time. Go figure, because you know, she spent 22 years in prison. So she actually, you know, that's how she was able to say, Why was my what's like, how did this happen to me? Basically. And we see that a lot with people yeah. who were wrongly convicted. Yeah. They end up going into legal professions to help people who are wrongly convicted. And she's also active in an organization known as Witness to Innocence. Um, And then, so, what was I going to say? 
there was an article I did read in regards to, it was like some, it was another law professional of some sort that was looking at the case too at the time that this retrial was occurring. And they said it was one of the most atrocious, basically unlawful death sentences that they've ever seen, not only just for Arizona, but, you know, in general, to be able to sentence somebody to death with not a single shred of like concrete evidence. Like and how that even circumstantial evidence. No, there was just he said he said she said he said she said. <laughs> so, which it, it like I said, it's mind blowing. I'm like, like, so you're telling me that if a cop doesn't like me and something happens, they can literally just be like, she did it and not record it, nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I could die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because the American justice system is fucked. I'm not saying there's not good people, but what I am saying is you shouldn't trust them as much as people think that you should. Like, but also too on the flip side is that it also like you were saying too, it's like the 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 impact that the media has on cases is crazy because you can have these atrocious cases that happen that don't really get a whole lot of media coverage, and you know it works its way out through the legal system, whatever. But it's like when something is like, like highly, highly published out in the media, like it's just, it's surreal. Like all these opinions that come out and then you worry, like, does that affect the jury? All that kind of stuff, which of yeah. course, in this case, it had to have, it truly did because, yeah. but still, and it just, like I said, it still blows my mind that as a juror, you're able to sit there and sentence somebody to death without being like, she was holding the gun. There's a picture of her holding the gun, shooting him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's what they say. Like, that's why, you know, lawyers are so, at least defense lawyers are so big on like, if you can't, like, if there is a shred of doubt, then you have, you know, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. Like all that bullshit. Like if there's a shred of doubt, then you can't prove without a reasonable doubt. It's like, let's think about what happened recently. Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Yep. Right. We're not talking about her shitting on a pillow. We're talking about, think about like her defense team. Mm -hmm. His career is fucking over. Yeah. Like the the fucking circus that her defense team brought to the table. Like, I'm not going to say whose side is right, whose side is wrong, because there's two sides to every story. And like, let's be honest, I love Johnny Depp. He's on my leg, like <laughs> yeah. on like three three different parts of my leg. He is there in terms of like characters. But here's the thing: it's like he has his story, she has her story, and their truth is somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. right? And we didn't see that anywhere in the trial. Like, let's be honest: like we didn't see that anywhere in the trial. But like the way that her defense team handled that was asinine. But the way his defense team handled it, like that, whatever her name is forever she is now booked so expensive you'll never be able to hire her like trial by media makes and breaks people's careers and it ties into what i said like when people demand justice as long as someone gets convicted then people are suddenly like super cool with it Mm -hmm. yeah no yeah i was like they really convicted her like she really confessed to that i was like wow what a bitch and i was like this doesn't make sense but i guess it does make sense and then you're like oh well there was no evidence and i'm like okay wait what yeah yeah literally so it's like nobody really knows what happened in that interrogation with that one officer you know no because if you don't record it how do you know like there's nothing written down she didn't sign anything like and then there was a simple fact too like a huge thing at the time which it still kind of is because i know it's kind of the laws are changing a little bit right now in regards to Miranda rights. 
don't know if you've heard about that. Yeah, they they stopped. I heard them while I was in jail. <laughs> I I did tell you that about like yeah, yeah they you were saying yeah in Arizona yeah okay so we're not gonna get to like I went to jail for like a whole night oh my god so I'm in there I'm in my own cell and basically I overhear this one these two chicks are like losing their ever loving shit and this fucking bless this this officer I was like I'm trying to sleep and these hoe bags are just having the best time mm -hmm. but basically the short of the long is there were like it's my Miranda rights which your Miranda rights are a very big deal and I'm not saying that this is something that should be taken lightly but according to this officer a couple of months ago in the state of Arizona <clears throat> They are no longer required to redo your Miranda rights, which is a huge deal. Like literally up to this point, if you don't have your Miranda rights read to you and you're arrested, everything is thrown out the window. It's like, mm -hmm. it's not admissible. Sorry, it never happened. And these two chicks are like talking about how they're going to tell the judge that their rights were never, you know, read to them. And like, they were like so hyped to see the judge at 9 a.m., and this this officer was like, yeah, no, that changed like a little bit a couple of months ago. And I'm like sitting there and I'm like, I never received an email or mm -hmm. any kind of, I'm like, I get stupid emails for stupid shit all the time. Like I got literal mail about some kind of thing that my fucking electric company is like, there's like a, a hearing. And if I want to go, great. But I'm like, but I didn't get anything in the mail or an email about the fact that in the state of Arizona, cops no longer have to read your Miranda rights, which is highly concerning. Not surprising for the state that we're in. Mm -hmm. That's really scary at the end of the day. Yeah. And I'm like, my thing is, is like, as far as I know, you still have your Miranda rights. Like those are, that's, that's a given. But the reality is that I think I, from what I gather is now that they just don't have to physically read them to you so that you're just expected to know them. Right. Which makes no sense when it's like, you know, the mentally ill population is rampant. Like mental, like mental health in Arizona. Arizona is the second worst state for mental health care. Like you're really going to expect someone who is now maybe homeless because of no other reason for the simple fact that maybe their family just threw them out because they couldn't take care of them. And they don't know what the fuck is going on. And now someone's calling the police on them because they're like sleeping in a park or they just happen to be in the wrong part of town and now they're getting arrested and they don't know what's going on. Like you know what's going on with people. Like they could be schizophrenic, sociopathic, psychopathic. They could have, they could be super on the autistic spectrum and you're gonna just like expect them to know. Like that's just designed, there's my whole political rant, but that's just designed to continue to destroy and push people down and imprison people like yeah but i mean at the end of the day this happened in 1989 and either way like there has to be some sort of documented also like like a, a documented proof that she waived her miranda rights and she did not right did not there's nothing there was literally nothing and i'm like how do you even have a case how do you even present this you know and what i mean she waived her rights to a uh, lawyer to like to talk to them right right like it was it blew my mind so i mean it, it, nobody will really i don't think will ever truly know whether she was involved or wasn't involved was it jim and roger was it not jim and roger because there's that possibility too i mean like it, it's tough because this is a kid that was shot in the back of the head four times in the middle of the desert what kind of evidence are you gonna have you know mm -hmm. it is it it's rough so as far as I know, too, just so you guys know, the other two men are still on death row. 
as far as I know. Well, because there's evidence of that. Yeah. Um, so, and they kind of more actually truly confessed. As far as I know, the other interrogations were either documented in some way or another. Hers was the only one that was not. Um, so to get to the very, very, very end, um, the reason why I told you guys the story this week is that <laughs> I'll just refer to him as one of my favorite humans of this year, um, was actually childhood best friends with Christopher Milkey. That's so sad. So Christopher Milkey, his mother, remember Deborah, she worked in the insurance industry. Well, this human of mine, his mother also worked in the insurance industry. So the two of the mothers, actually, the two of them got really close because they both had boys that were the same age, basically. Um, my human, I think, was a little bit older, mm-hmm. by like a, almost a year. Um, so they worked together and they would set up like little play dates for them to like hang out and like, you know, have fun together. He doesn't really remember much a whole lot about him. Um, I mean, sure, he was like five. Yeah, like if- four or five. Yeah. So he doesn't really remember anything, but like he just knows because of like his mom. And so, like, I asked him, I was like, well, what do you feel about the case? Like, do you feel like she did? And he's like, it's really, really hard to tell. He's like, obviously, it's a lot of circumstantial stuff. He's like, I know personally, though, like, his mom, um, she, the entire time was like, she did not do it. So she firmly believed that Deborah was innocent. I mean, there is no circumstantial stuff. Yeah. Like, it's the bonkers part of it all. Like, I shouldn't be surprised because we've seen people put away for less, but it's like, there, there was this was substantial yeah. evidence. It was nothing, literally nothing. So like the Salem Witch trials, and he <laughs> said that he said she said. Yeah, yeah. So, and um, his mother's been really, really kind. So she also she's super excited. And she wants to like listen to this episode, and I'm like, okay, this makes me really nervous. If I said anything wrong, please correct me, and I will like put a little bulletin out because I'm like I I'm doing this solely based off the research research that I can find on the internet. We all know that the internet sometimes yeah, so isn't always accurate. Shitty job, just like let her know that she did a really shitty job. Yes, <laughs> and the the other kind of really nice thing is that I don't. Hopefully, I'll I'll get it soon from him. Is that his mom wants to let me borrow? So Deborah Milky actually wrote a book while she was on death row. Oh no shit! Okay, so I get to like see the book and kind of like read a little bit of it. I don't know how big it is or anything like that, but, and it's not necessarily about the case. It's actually not involving the case at all. It's just more or less what it's like to be on death row as a female. Oh, that's a fun take. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then her and Deborah still talk to this day. So, Aww. so they're still friends. They talk every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, sad. Yeah. So that's impressive. That was my story. And I was like, when he told me this, I was like, I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, ooh, maybe I should have you. I mean, I think I may have told you this story, but maybe I should have you cover the case of a good friend of mine. I actually knew her, but Mm -hmm. a good friend of mine, his sister was brutally murdered by her boyfriend and her body parts were discovered in Lake Pleasant. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That was really fucking dark. um, And it didn't need to happen, but like, yeah, I mean, he also, like, has a friend that he went to high school with that was also, that murdered his brother, I think. No shit. I'm like, good God, like, how many murders do you know? I'm like, I mean, just know what's happening in his orbit. Yeah. Yeah, something, something's, I'm yeah. like, I'm scared a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just keep, just keep noticing if things start to get closer to the orbit, there's a source. It's a gravitational pull, and I need you to get out. (laughs) I mean, for his career that he has, at least it doesn't seem like death truly follows him. So it's more, I think it's a coincidence. But considering his career, I don't think death follows him, really. 
hopefully not. Um, but yeah, so I will put the sources, you know, or you'll, well, actually it's all Dara City. Well, Dara's a Google Doc and I will put the sources into the Let's be honest. Yeah. It ain't going to be me. Yeah. I'll put them into the show notes. Um, okay. So I'm also kind of like curious so. too, like if, if, if I can get like Deborah to like get, you know, listen in on it or give me her take, oh, I, I may dig into that a little bit more. We'll see. Um, it would be great to have like an interview with her. Yeah, she's willing. Yeah, when she talks, so like that that organization she's with, just FYI, before we go, you guys, she does like actually like will speak in public places and like talk about her story and stuff like that. So, well, it'd be great to have her, um, and to hear her story and hear her perspective and what that was actually like. Yeah, um, that would be super cool to do if we can get that to happen. Um, but yeah, you don't well, have any more wine. Left. I know. I'm I'm waiting to re up at the top of the next one, but. We're going to do cheers right now, and then I'll talk about the crazy shit for the week. Cheers. Okay. Cheers. Thank you so much for being here. We'll catch you in the next one, and then I'll cut and move it. Okay. So the crazy shit that happened the last week and a half, right? Okay. So I got a scam text, right? We all get the scam texts, right? That's like, hi, is this... This is so-and-so from the whatever. Like, people don't talk like that, and you're like... No, this is the wrong number. Oh, I am so sorry to have disrupted your day. You sound so nice. I hope you have a lovely day. And it's like, yeah, no problem. Can I ask? And you're like, oh, okay, here we go. If you, if you, if you indulge that kind of stuff, which I do. Um, and so I decided, oh, I'm finally gonna fuck with the scammer. Mm-hmm. I get the, I get this text that's, how are you? And I'm like, who is this? Right? And yeah. I'm like, it's like, how are you? And I'm like, who is this? And they're like hi Anna this is I don't know where my phone is but it's like hi Anna I'm like Kayana or whatever I haven't talked to you since that incident how is the business going <laughs> and I'm like oh let's play right like, I, I've seen the videos I've seen the compilations of people fucking with scammers and I was like I want to fuck with the scammer so I messaged back and I was like hi Anna totally wrong person I was like wow like um, it's so great to hear from you. I totally thought you were never going to talk to me again after the chlamydia incident with Paul. Eh. Um, <laughs> like that weird, stupid face. And I was like, I was like, I was like, but I'm so glad that's water under the bridge now. I was like, business is great. I was like, you would be surprised at how many men love a good pegging nowadays. I was like, but, but enough about my amazing fabulous <laughs> life. How are you? And I'm like, great. And yeah. I'm ready. It's going to be so fabulous. And I'm like waiting, waiting. A couple hours go by. And this is what I get back, right? And this is all on like Reddit, by the way. Like I posted this all to Reddit because apparently it's a scam thing and blah, blah, blah. But I get back a um, a photo. It says, waiting for me. First of all, it's a text. It's waiting for me. And then it's this like old white dude uh, pointing a gun at the camera. Like like he's taking a selfie and pointing at the gun at the camera. And he says, um... I know where you are. Um, I am going to kill you tonight, or I or might have to kill you tonight, or some stupid shit like that. And I was like, "What the fuck?" I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> I was so pissed. It was for like, it startled me for a second because so I was like, "This isn't how these scams go." Like, I've gotten Facebook scams, I've gotten phone scams, mm. like I've gotten email scams, like. I've gotten chat scams. I've gotten every scam. I get text scams all the time and I usually just delete them. But I was like, the one time I try to fuck with a scammer, they're like, I'm going to fucking kill you. And I'm like, okay. that escalated very quickly. Fair. Like, 
So I'm like, wait a minute, it was a joke, clearly. I literally like, screenshotted what I sent. I put it on Instagram. Like if you follow me on Instagram, you it'll be it's gone now. But um and everyone's like, hell yeah, we're waiting for the reply. I was like, well, that escalated quickly. And then, you know, a nice friend of mine, she was like, did all this like back, you know, sleuthing. And she's like, okay, so this is like a common thing. And here's this subreddit where everyone like this has been on that subreddit for a while. And apparently it's called the gun meme. Like I had posted it to Reddit and this dude was like, homie pulled the gun meme. And I was like, it's a meme now? Like what the fuck is going on? But there are other people that are getting like similar texts. And um, so I was like, I just wanted something funny. Yeah. And you're gonna, like, first of all, I'm like, we're trying to go with that. So I just responded, like I did legit call the police. Cause I was like, I'd rather be safe than sorry. Like I've seen enough horror movies in my life. I know how this goes. I mean, we do have a murder podcast, so there's that. I know. So I was like, um, I've reported you the I've reported you to the police and blocking your number now. Um, and then I blocked their number, obviously, which you know, that number is fake. They probably use some stupid website to generate a fake phone number. It doesn't really matter. Nothing is gonna come of it. It's not a real person. It's a, well, it's a real person, I I think. But it's not nothing's gonna happen. Like I'm totally fine, everything is fine, but I'm just kind of like uh-uh. the one time I'm trying to like fuck with a scammer and like this other person's post about this this dude was like this person was like trying to like flirt with them like oh like can you send me a picture of you like there's so many scams out there and i'm like mine didn't even try like mine just went straight to oh i'm gonna kill you and i'm like <laughs> scam like what what were you what were you trying to achieve yeah, like, like what i didn't, I didn't even know what did you want you want me to send you money so you don't kill me like i don't understand i was like okay blah i don't know what you want for me so it's fine. Everything is fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. With that said, I'm gonna drink more wine. So I'm very thirsty. Hope it was worth it. Uh, thanks for being here, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye. Oh, it's so unison.